welcome back to Sad Girl Study Guides. As always, I'm your host, Amelia, and as always, I'm sad. So, October 2020. It's been quite the month. I feel like I can't even discuss what's happened in the few short days we've already had because, well, it'll be outdated by the time this episode comes out. But yes, quite the roller coaster. I'll stick to the slightly safer topic of weather and say that the seasons really have changed in Chicago this morning. With the wind chill, it was a toasty 35 degrees out. Hooray! I just love the cold. All I can say is, thank goodness I have some nice knitted gloves and ear warmers that my sister so graciously knit for me. Otherwise, I truly would never leave my apartment. Not that I really do leave my apartment, except to go to the grocery store and buy food. Anyways, this week we're going to be doing the first part of a two-parter, Eleanor of Aquitaine. Eleanor of Aquitaine is a true monumental figure in history in a lot of ways, but she really stands out when it comes to her marriages. That's right, marriages plural. She's one of the few people in pre-early modern European history to have multiple marriages and survive both of them, especially because neither of her marriages were especially happy. Because her life is so long and so complex, it was impossible to fit her into just one episode, so I decided to break her marriages into two. In today's episode, we're just going to tackle her first unhappy marriage to Louis VII of France. The study guide of Eleanor's first unhappy marriage has a fake pope, several near kidnappings, and possible incest because her life was low-key like that. Let's begin. Eleanor of Aquitaine was born sometime between 1122 and 1124 because when you're a woman in the Middle Ages, even if you're eventually going to be the queen of two countries, no one cares enough about you to actually write down the day of your birth. We don't even know where Eleanor was born. She was most likely born in Poitiers or Bordeaux. We do know her birth name, Elia Anor, but that's basically it for who she was and where and when she was born. Eleanor's parents were William X, the Duke of Aquitaine, and Anor de Chateau, the daughter of William the Ninth of Aquitaine's mistress, Dangereau de Lille Bouchard, aka La Moubergone, after the tower that said mistress lived in, and yes, Eleanor's grandmother was the mistress of Eleanor's grandfather, which is all very fun and scandalous, and even though her grandmother was her grandfather's mistress, don't worry, her mother and father were not related, which is always a genetic relief. 
By the time Eleanor was born, her father's family controlled most of southern France, aka about a quarter of what we would consider France nowadays to be. At the time, France was a series of territorial principalities. In theory, there was a king of France, and the king came from the Capet family, but the French dukes had a lot of power, and the Duke of Aquitaine was one of the most powerful dukes because he controlled so much land. However, by the time of Eleanor's birth, even though her family did control most of the land, the family did have to work with many of the lesser nobles in the region, and the power was fairly non-centralized. Eleanor had two younger siblings, a sister named Petronella, whose birth name was either Aleth or Alex, but who went by Petronella for various reasons, as well as a younger brother named William. In 1126, when Eleanor was still only a toddler, her grandfather, William IX, died, and her father became the Duke of Aquitaine and Gascony. A few years later, when Eleanor was around eight or so, her mother and little brother both died. It's unclear exactly what killed them, but most likely it was some sort of basic illness that we could easily cure nowadays with either antibiotics or basic aspirin. This meant, though, that at the age of eight, Eleanor was the heiress presumptive to her father's kingdom, which meant that, in theory, she had a lot of power and was one of the most eligible heiresses in all of France. Growing up, Eleanor had a reputation for being really beautiful. We don't actually know what she looked like because there are no existing paintings of her, and while we do have some sculptures of her, apparently said sculptures aren't at all accurate. She also grew up to be extremely well-educated, not only for her time period, but in general for a woman until about the 19th century. She knew how to read and write. She knew math and astronomy. After all, Aquitaine was the center of chivalric culture in France. Her grandfather, William IX, was a poet in his own right and was considered to be one of France's first troubadours. In addition to this more basic literary education, Eleanor got a political education in her own right from watching her father deal with running about a fourth of France and dealing with all the various drama that was going on in Aquitaine. And oh boy, was there ever drama going on in Aquitaine. In 1130, a pretty major schism happened in the Catholic Church when two different popes got elected at once because, well, that was a thing that happened in the Catholic Church in the 12th century. Eleanor's father ended up being on the side of the losing pope, who just so happened to be of Jewish descent, which was fun and controversial, and as a result, William X ended up getting excommunicated, which was a huge deal in the 12th century. Eventually, in 1134, William ended up getting brought back into the church with the help of the cleric 
Bernard of Clairvaux, who convinced him to reconcile with the real pope. However, the very next year, William clashed with the church again, but once again, Bernard of Clairvaux helped him reconcile. After this 1135 reconciliation, William had a bit of a religious experience and started to turn his life around, became much more pious, etc., etc. William X decided that he was going to get remarried so that he could attempt to have a legitimate son, but then his potential fiance ended up getting kidnapped and married off to a lesser noble within Aquitaine. On top of all the church drama that her father kept dragging himself into, William X also was involved in the usual drama between himself and the vassal lords that he was ruling over. And this drama was particularly tricky because William didn't actually have a male heir and constantly had to worry about one of his lesser lords kidnapping either Eleanor or Petronilla and holding them ransom or trying to marry them in an attempt to force his hand. In 1137, due to his religious experience, William decided to go on a pilgrimage to a shrine of St. James in modern-day Spain. Along the way, William either ate some poorly prepared fish or drank some dirty water and fell ill because we're in the 12th century and had no sense of how to treat stomach-based illnesses, William ended up dying on April 9th, 1137, aka Good Friday. And since he didn't have any legitimate sons, this meant that Eleanor suddenly was heir to his entire kingdom, which was very exciting, but more than a little bit dangerous because, well, Eleanor is only about 13 or 15 at this time, and if any of William's lesser lords wanted control of the land, they could just kidnap her and marry her off. However, William X of Aquitaine wasn't an idiot. Before his death, he had written to the King of France, Louis VI, aka Louis the Fat, asking him to protect Eleanor until she got married. Louis the Fat agreed, but he was also sick and dying. This time of dysentery, Louis decided that the best way to protect Eleanor was to have her marry into the royal family, aka betroth her to his son, Louis. This had the also unexpected upside of turning the Aquitaine lands into part of the French crown lands. Oh, and since Louis VI just so happened to be dying, this meant that the crown of France would go to his son Louis, who would become Louis VII, and suddenly Aquitaine and France would be united under Louis VII. So Louis VI sent his son Louis, soon to be Louis VII, down south to Aquitaine to marry Eleanor ASAP. Eleanor ended up marrying Louis VII on July 25th, 1137. 
Both of them were teenagers. Eleanor was around the age of 15, and Louis VII was about two or three years older than her. We don't know exactly what the age gap between the two were, because remember, we don't know exactly how old Eleanor was, but they were close enough in age. The two had a huge fancy ceremony and then headed back to Paris where they would be safer ASAP. The marriage meant that Aquitaine would eventually go to the French kings, which was huge for the French kings. They suddenly had control over about one-fourth of, well, France. However, it still technically didn't belong to them. According to William X's will, Aquitaine wouldn't pass to the French kings until Eleanor and Louis had a son together and said son reached the age of majority. Spoiler alert, that would not happen, but at the time they didn't know that. So they are heading back to Paris in really excited spirits until a week passed and Louis and Eleanor found out that Louis VI died. So Louis VII was suddenly the king of France and Eleanor not only was the Duchess of Aquitaine, but she also was queen of France. On the way to Paris, the newlyweds and the new king and queen had to briefly take a side journey to Orleans to put down an attempted rebellion which wasn't so fun, but they succeeded and continued on to Paris. As it turned out, however, Louis VII and Eleanor of Aquitaine were kind of a nightmare as a couple. They did not get along at all. Louis VII had been raised to join the church because he was the younger son and his older brother was meant to be king, except then his older brother had unexpectedly died. As a result, Louis VII was aggressively pious, was super studious, and wasn't really that interested in having fun. By contrast, Eleanor was from Aquitaine, which had a reputation for scandal, and she loved romance, tales of chivalry, all that fun stuff. In fact, Eleanor once said that Louis was more monk than king. As a result, Eleanor was not a great match for either her husband or for Paris. She was seen as too frivolous due to her upbringing and did not get along all that great with the court or with the dowager queen, Queen Adelaide. As a result, she got very much sidelined. Traditionally, the Queen of France was a bit of an equal partner to the king. For example, the queen often was brought along to sign charters, etc., etc., whereas Eleanor's name was attached to very few charters during her time as Queen of France, which suggests that Louis didn't see her as a partner in any way, shape, or form. Furthermore, Louis often blamed her whenever he was yelled at by his advisors for spending too much money. During Eleanor's early years as Queen of France, she was mostly focused on Aquitaine. She wanted to do what her father had attempted, which was to continue consolidating and centralizing the family's power there. In 1138, 
the people of Poitier tried to make a quasi-commune and become more of an autonomous region within Aquitaine. And Eleanor tried to get Louis to put down this commune extremely harshly. And Louis was willing to do this, but then Louis's main advisor, the abbot Dennis Sugar, forced him to walk the whole thing back, which made him, and by extension Eleanor, look very weak. Then in 1140, Louis and Eleanor got involved in religious drama once again in Poitiers. Louis refused to let the chosen bishop become bishop, and this time the Pope had to intervene, and once again, Louis and Eleanor had to walk most of their decision back, which once again made them look fairly weak. Then, in 1141, the two tried to get Toulouse to come under Aquitanian control. Toulouse once had been part of Aquitaine, but had broken away during Eleanor's grandfather's reign, and it had always been a dream of her family to regain, to, to regain Toulouse. Once again, that failed because Louis's army wasn't strong enough. All three of these failed attempts at control showed that Eleanor and Louis weren't quite as strong as they thought they were, and it was possible that at this point in time, Eleanor just wasn't the diplomat and politician that she thought she was. But then again, she still only was a teenager, and she was really limited by what her husband allowed her to do. And if this wasn't bad enough, her sister, Petronilla, was causing some real drama that wasn't just contained to Aquitaine. In 1142, Petronilla fell for Ralph of Vermondo, who was extremely married. Ralph was married to the sister of the then King of England, Stephen, who would intersect in Eleanor's life later on. To make matters worse, the extremely married Ralph was also three times Petronella's age. But much like her sister Eleanor, Petronella did not like Petronella did not let little details like that stand in her way. She was determined to marry Ralph. And as it turned out, Ralph was determined to marry Petronella. Louis ended up allowing Ralph to leave his wife for Petronella, which was super controversial. Technically, Ralph was committing bigamy, and to no one's surprise, Ralph and Petronella got excommunicated by the Pope. To make matters worse, Louis ended up invading the territory of Champagne, which was the homeland of Ralph's first wife's uncle, in order to back up Ralph and Petronella, and in the process, an entire village got burned down. And in the process of burning down this village, the village church got destroyed, killing the 1,500 peasants who had sought out refuge in said church. It's almost certain that the destruction of the church was an accident, because after all, churches were places of sanctuary. You weren't supposed to destroy churches, and Louis, as we've established, was super pious. Once the church was destroyed and the peasants were killed, Louis was completely 
horrified by this entire turn of events. And on 1143, he resolved to do something, to apologize and get back on the Pope's good side. Luckily, the current Pope did die in 1143, but Louis still felt like he had to atone. During all of this drama, Eleanor had gotten pregnant, which made everyone in Paris very excited. She had caused a lot of trouble by now, but if she gave birth to a son, that meant Louis had his heir, Aquitaine would officially pass into royal hands, and she would have redeemed herself. Sadly, when the baby was born, it turned out to be a girl named Marie. While it was good that Eleanor had successfully given birth to a live child, the fact that it wasn't a boy made quite a few French nobles very irritated because Louis still did not have his heir and the French monarchy still did not have control of Aquitaine. The next year, on Christmas Eve, 1144, the Christian city of Edessa in modern-day Iraq fell to Muslim forces. This was a huge issue for Western Christianity. Edessa was one of the four Christian states that had been created after the fairly successful First Crusade. The fall of Edessa threatened the three other surviving Christian states, Tripoli, Antioch, where Eleanor's uncle Raymond happened to be king, and most importantly, Jerusalem. After the fall of Edessa, the Pope, Eugene III, issued an edict calling on all good Western Christians to go east and help save the Holy Land. Louis had been planning a pilgrimage anyways in order to atone for the whole burning down the church in 1143 thing, so he decided to change the pilgrimage to a crusade to rescue Odessa. After all, if going on a pilgrimage would save his soul, imagine what going on a crusade could do. By the spring of 1146, Louis was decided he was going on the crusade, and he wasn't going to go alone. Eleanor had decided that she was going to tag along with her husband. She was going to use this crusade as a chance to see her uncle. She also hoped that going on the crusade would give her good fortune and would maybe lead to her giving birth to that son that she desperately needed to redeem herself in the eyes of the French people. However, while having a king go on a crusade was perfectly well and good, having a queen go on a crusade was super controversial in the 12th century. Eleanor's choice to go along with her husband led to a ton of nasty rumors about her, like that she insisted on bringing along a massive caravan of over 300 ladies-in-waiting, which slowed everything down, or that she would wear outfits that left one breast bare, like the mythological Amazons, and that was blasphemous and caused all sorts of issues from God. Yeah, neither of those things were probably all that true. Regardless of the drama, Eleanor and Louis left for the crusade on June 11th, 1147. 
while they were gone, France was ruled by Louis' main abbot and advisor, Denise Sugar, who by now did not like Eleanor. And Louis and Eleanor were not alone on their crusade. Between 25,000 and 50,000 crusaders went along with them. And yes, I know that is a massively wide estimate, but hey, that's what the sources say. Couldn't get much more specific than that. From the outset, the Second Crusade did not go super great. To get to Jerusalem, the French army had to go through the Byzantine Empire, and the Byzantines did not exactly trust the French, and the French didn't trust them either, which made it very difficult for the French army to get enough supplies and food throughout the trip, which isn't great if you're taking a massive trip to a foreign country that you've never been to before. To make matters worse, throughout the trip, France and their supposed allies, the Germans, continued to have diplomatic tension. Eventually, by October, Louis and Eleanor and their army reached Constantinople, and Eleanor fell in love with Constantinople. The city was super ornate, it was filled with culture, and it almost certainly reminded her of her childhood in Aquitaine. If Eleanor had stayed behind in Constantinople, what happened next probably wouldn't have happened. Maybe she would have stayed married to Louis. Who knows? But she continued on with her husband from Constantinople and started to move across Anatolia in modern-day Turkey. Once the army started across Anatolia, with the German army a little bit ahead of them, they started to suffer defeats. Because both France and Germany were getting attacked by Muslim forces, they decided to join together and march across Anatolia together in an attempt to beat off Turkish fighters. This didn't go super well. They kept losing bits and pieces. Other sections fell behind. At a certain point, they basically just had their essential supplies and nothing else. And then on January, and then in January 1148, the main French and German forces got really badly attacked by a group of Turkish fighters. Before this attack had happened, the German and French forces had been warned that there were Turkish fighters in the area, but they had ignored this warning and continued ahead. In fact, the army had split up so that one group could find a nice camping spot, and then the attack had happened, and it had gone horribly. This January 1148 attack showed that the Western armies maybe weren't quite as strong as they thought they were, and once again, Eleanor was blamed for the loss. A bunch of her contemporaries say it was her fault that the army had split up because she insisted on taking some of the troops to find a relaxing camping spot, and yeah, once again, probably didn't happen. Despite all these defeats, by March 1148, Eleanor and Louis managed to reach the city of Antioch, which was ruled by Raymond, Eleanor's uncle. 
From the get-go, Eleanor and Raymond became super close. They were fairly close in age. Raymond was only nine years older than Eleanor. He was one of the few people around her who could speak her native language of Akatan. He knew her father. They had a shared background, and they were able to bond over all of that and just become really good friends. Meanwhile, tensions between Louis and Raymond started to build, and we had those continued tensions between Eleanor and Louis that had been building since the start of their marriage. Basically, Raymond wanted Louis and the French forces to focus on saving Edessa, which he felt like would help strengthen the overall European position in the Middle East, whereas Louis just wanted to take the French army to Jerusalem visit the city, promote piety there, and then head back to France. Eleanor was on her uncle's side. She told Louis that he could go to Jerusalem if he wanted to, but if he did, she would be staying behind in Antioch, and as soon as he got back, she would annul the marriage and be done with him. Eleanor and Louis technically were eligible to have their marriage annulled because they were very closely related. And rumors had sprung up that Eleanor was having an affair with her uncle, who, after all, was very, very handsome. The rumor that Eleanor had slept with her uncle would haunt her for the rest of her life. However, it's almost certain that Eleanor did not sleep with her uncle Raymond, after all, she did have taste, and sleeping with your uncle back then was not done unless you were, like, literally forced to marry your uncle, which, as we've seen in past study guides, was a thing that happened. In my opinion, Eleanor did not sleep with her uncle. She probably just had a very close friendship with him that maybe got, like, a little flirty in the chivalric tradition where you, like, read poems to each other, but there was nothing sexual there. Louis ended up going to Jerusalem, and he forced Eleanor to come along with him, by which I mean he literally kidnapped Eleanor and dragged her along to Jerusalem. In a not-surprising twist, Eleanor was not pleased about this. She spent the summer of 1148 in Jerusalem, but wanted to go back home as soon as possible. Due to Louis and Raymond's ongoing fighting, there was no united European Christian front against the Muslim forces, which meant that when the Crusaders had to fight the Muslim forces in Damascus in July, they got utterly crushed. Meanwhile, things in France weren't going super great. Louis's little brother Robert was stirring up all sorts of trouble and kept threatening to have a coup and steal the throne. So by 1149, Louis decided that it was maybe time for him to leave Jerusalem because the crusade wasn't going all that well and he would very much like to have a throne back in France when he returned. Louis and Eleanor arrived back in Europe, aka Italy, in July 1149. By the time they got back to Italy, Eleanor had fallen extremely ill from the traveling, and it took her several weeks to recover. By the time she had recovered, she found out 
that her uncle Raymond had actually died in June 1149 in a battle which left her utterly heartbroken and she basically blamed Louis for this. Then in October she and Louis went to visit Pope Eugene III and they mutually begged him for an annulment because by now neither Louis nor Eleanor wanted to stay in the relationship. However, Eugene denied them the annulment, so the couple, who now mutually hated each other, went back to Paris. They would make it back to Paris in November 1149. By the time they got back to Paris, things were heating up in France. The Duchy of Anjou had gotten extremely powerful under one Geoffrey Plantagenet while Louis had been away on crusades. And Geoffrey Plantagenet basically controlled the entire Loire Valley, which made it even more difficult for Louis to attempt to centralize his power across France. After all, he now didn't have the Loire Valley, and he still technically didn't have control of Aquitaine because Eleanor still hadn't given birth to a son. Oh, and Geoffrey also had gained control of the Duchy of Normandy through his marriage to Matilda, the daughter of Henry I of England. And on top of this, Geoffrey was refusing to pay homage to Louis. So Louis had left one mess behind in Jerusalem and walked into a whole other mess back in Paris. Despite all this mess and his continuing and his continually worsening relationship with Eleanor, the couple did pull it together enough that in 1150, Eleanor got pregnant again and gave birth a second time. Once again, this birth was kind of a letdown because Eleanor gave birth to a second daughter named Alice. And Louis was super upset that once again, Eleanor had given birth to a daughter. He felt like Maybe this was a sign from God that Eleanor couldn't have a son and he shouldn't be married to her. The next year, Henry, the next year, Louis's old advisor, Abbot Juger, died, and Louis replaced him with Eleanor's father's old enemy, Bernard of Clairvaux. One of Bernard of Clairvaux's first orders of business was to deal with Geoffrey of Plantagenet and Stephen of England. Remember, Geoffrey was married to Matilda, Henry I of England. Henry I was dead, so shouldn't Matilda be ruling England? Yes, she should, but Stephen had overthrown Matilda and taken control of the throne of England, so Geoffrey and Stephen were kind of beefing. Bernard organized a bit of a truce and had gotten the two to agree that once Jeff, that once Stephen died, Geoffrey and Matilda's son, Henry, would be king of England. And suddenly, Geoffrey was slightly happier with the king of France and was slightly more willing to pay homage to Louis. During all of this, Eleanor met Geoffrey and and Henry, Geoffrey's son. Supposedly, during this meeting, Geoffrey and Eleanor had an affair, and Eleanor and Geoffrey's son, Henry, became very close. 
after all. Henry was around 19 years old, redheaded, and very good-looking. If Jeffrey and Eleanor did have an affair, that would mean that any relationship between Eleanor and Henry would be incest. Because in those days, sleeping with a man and then sleeping with his son was committing incest. But as it turned out, Eleanor wasn't going to let a little technicality like that bother her. A few months after meeting Henry Plantagenet on March 11th, 1152, Eleanor and Louis finally got what they wanted. Their marriage was annulled due to consanguinity. The Pope said, yes, you two are too closely related to be married, aka, Eleanor, you can't give birth to a son. It would be silly to have the King of France married to you. As soon as the marriage was annulled, Eleanor left Paris for Potier, leaving her two daughters behind in Paris, where they would be raised by their father. During her trip back home, she almost got kidnapped by lesser nobles a few times because, after all, whoever married her got control of Aquitaine, but she managed to avoid those, kidnapping. those kidnappings. Almost as soon as the ink on the annulment papers dried, Eleanor wrote a letter to Henry Plantagenet, who by now, whose father by now was dead, telling him that she was free to marry. Less than a little over two months after her marriage to Louis was annulled, Eleanor married Henry Plantagenet. She was around 28, and he was around 19 years old. And that's where we're going to end this particular episode of Eleanor of Aquitaine. She has just left one not-so-great marriage, and she's about to start a new marriage. And this particular marriage seems a lot more promising, but it's not going to stay that way. As always, for those fans of the study guides who prefer bullet points to a full-on lecture, let's do a quick little recap of Eleanor of Aquitaine's first unhappy marriage. Eleanor of Aquitaine was born sometime between 1122 or 1124 around Poitiers or Bordeaux. Her parents were William X, the Duke of Aquitaine, and his wife, Aenor. She had two younger siblings, a sister, Petronilla, and a brother, William. When Eleanor was only eight years old, both her mother and her brother died, which meant that she was set to inherit all of her father's land. And her father had a lot of land. He controlled about a fourth of modern-day France. Growing up, Eleanor had a pretty stunning education, both for the time and for about any woman until about the 19th century. She could read, she could write, she knew how to sing, she knew math, she knew astronomy. Not bad Eleanor. She also got quite a bit of a political education, watching her father bounce from being excommunicated to being welcomed back into the Catholic Church, etc., etc., as well as watching her father deal with all the drama with his vassals within Aquitaine. When Eleanor was around 15, her father died from some sort of stomach ailment while on a pilgrimage. 
While her father was dying, he knew that Eleanor would be in quite the precarious position. After all, as a single heiress, so many noblemen would be attempting to kidnap her and marry her so that they could control Aquitaine. So he wrote to the King of France, begging the king, then Louis the Fat, to take custody of Eleanor. Louis the Fat was an idiot. He agreed. And as soon as he had custody of Eleanor, he decided to marry Eleanor off to his son, also named Louis. A week after the marriage, Louis the Fat died, and suddenly Eleanor and her brand new husband were king and queen of France, Queen Eleanor and King Louis VII. Technically, Louis VII did have control of Aquitaine through his wife, but as part of William X's will, the royal family would only truly control Aquitaine once Eleanor gave birth to a son who reached the age of majority, and that wouldn't happen anytime soon. As the marriage between Louis and Eleanor continued, it turned out the two were not a match made in heaven. Louis was pious and quiet, whereas Eleanor lived for romance and had a reputation for frivolity. She made matters worse as Eleanor pushed her husband to centralize and consolidate power in Aquitaine. Louis attempted to do so, but kept having to walk back his attempts due to a lack of power. Then in 1143, in an attempt by Louis to back up Eleanor's sister's controversial marriage to Ralph of Romandeau, he accidentally was responsible for the death of 1,500 peasants in a church. In order to atone for this death, Louis decided to help lead the Second Crusade in 1147 to Edessa. Eleanor went along with her husband on this crusade, which caused a lot of controversy, because queens weren't supposed to go on crusade. They were supposed to sit at home and embroider or bullshit like that. On the crusade, things did not go well. The French army was woefully underprepared and undersupplied and kept losing fights with Muslim forces across Anatolia. Once they reached the safe haven of Antioch, which just so happened to be ruled by Eleanor's uncle Raymond, Eleanor stirred up quite a bit of controversy when she and her uncle became BFFs, aka were maybe having an affair. To make matters worse, when Raymond and Louis fought over strategy, Eleanor sided with her uncle. The relationship with Eleanor and Louis became so bad that Eleanor demanded an annulment once they became, once they returned home because Louis refused to follow Raymond's strategy. Once Eleanor and Louis returned back to France in the spring of 1149, the European forces back in the Middle East ended up ended up losing in a battle in Damascus, and Eleanor's uncle did die inside battle. By 1151, the relationship between Louis and Eleanor was impossible to reconcile. Eleanor had given birth twice, but both times she had given birth to daughters, which led to fears that she was incapable of having a son. On top of this, she had possibly had an affair with one Geoffrey Plantagenet, whose son 
was the heir to the Duchy of Anjou, the Duchy of Normandy, and, oh, the Kingdom of England. By 1152, Louis had had enough. He agreed to the annulment, and he and Eleanor separated in March 1152. Two months later, a newly single Eleanor reached out to Henry Plantagenet, asking if he wanted to get married. Henry agreed, and Eleanor was soon not single anymore. So, that's Eleanor's first marriage. Next week, we're going to learn about Eleanor's second marriage. Will it be happier than the first? Well, it starts out that way, but it will not end that way. Most of my sources for this episode came from Ralphie Turner's book, Eleanor of Aquitaine, Queen of France, Queen of England, Marian Mead's book, Eleanor of Aquitaine, the biography, Desmond Seward's book, Eleanor of Aquitaine, the mother queen, a National Geographic article on Eleanor and the Crusades, and a History Extra article on Eleanor of Aquitaine. As always, for a full list of sources and relevant images, you can visit the website sadgirlstudyguides.com. If you have questions, comments, or concerns, you can email the podcast at sadgirlstudyguides at gmail.com. If you want to financially support the podcast, you can become a patron at patreon.com forward slash sadgirlstudyguides. Patrons get access to a bunch of cool things, including a bi-weekly tangent cast where we talk about people, places, or things that didn't quite fit in to a full-length study guide. This week, we're going to be discussing Eleanor's oldest daughter, Marie, who was also quite a cultural patron, like her mother. Other bonuses include getting to choose a study guide subject. As always, you can also reach the podcast on social media. There's the Twitter, Sad Girl Study Pod, and the Instagram, Sad Girl Study. And if you want to help the podcast grow, tell a friend or subscribe. We're on Apple Podcast, Spotify, and Stitcher. And please let us know how we're doing. Read a review or else I'll be sad. Thanks!